futuramic design means styling with a purpose. Introducing the all-new Hoverboard, the scooter of the future. Sharper Image Wheelie Razor is the hottest thing on two wheels. Now, what does it do? This is the world's first self-balancing human transport. Electric scooters speeding down roads and sidewalks. San Francisco streets bustle with activity. Cars, walkers, bicyclists, and now scooters, all sharing the same roadways. Welcome back to the Rider Guide Podcast. I'm Chase Stubblefield, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Somerville. Today we are interviewing David Hyman, the CEO of Unagi Scooters, one of the most famous scooter brands in scooters. They've been around since the beginning. They're known for the design, having a lot of creatives and celebrities that like to ride them. We also have the chief product officer, uh, TJ, uh, with us. Before we jump in, I just want to let you know that we have a special offer from Unagi for podcast listeners. If you click the link in the description, you can get your first month free off of the Unagi subscription. It really is the only offer like it in the world, actually, to be able to just pay month to month um, flexibly, no contract, cancel any time with a electric scooter that um, you need to try it out, see if you like it. All right, let's jump right in. TJ, David, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. So yeah, this is an honor to have Unagi with us. David, for the audience, could you tell us just kind of like who is Unagi? Sure. Well, Unagi is the premier electric scooter subscription service and the best way for urban commuters to get from point A to point B inside of a city. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so let's talk about the product and kind of like the distinctives of what Unagi has chosen because Unagi has been around since, you know, 2018 with the Kickstarter, right? And so there's some real history to the brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we started in, I mean, I started the company in 2018 and really the impetus of, of the birth of the company was my own personal frustration with ride sharing. Um, Lime and Bird had just launched in San Francisco Um, I was very predisposed to ride them the first week they came out because I was a lifelong snowboarder and skateboarder when I was a kid. So when I saw them, I immediately knew I was going to jump on one. And I grasped the utility value instantly, and it significantly changed how I got around the city and how I commuted to work. But I became very quickly frustrated with ride sharing services, both because I couldn't often find one when I needed one. And very often the ones that I did find were broken. And so, you know, personally, I just thought, why don't I own one of these things? It's a fluke in, in the world that a consumer product like this started with ride sharing before anybody ever owned one. It was kind of crazy, like no one had ever seen one or owned one. And all of a sudden there is a plethora of them all over the streets. And I thought I wanted to own one, but I couldn't even find one to buy. I had to go on Alibaba. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, one comes to me a month later. um, 
you know, I wanted something that was different than what was on the streets. I wanted something that folded and had torque to get up the hills of San Francisco and was lightweight. And there was one that was dual motor and had carbon fiber, um, checked off the boxes more than anything else for something that was portable and powerful. Um, and, you know, right out of the box, the thing was kind of janky and kind of broken, <laughs> but it worked. And everywhere I went with this scooter, people were coming up to me going, hey, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? You know, I'd be on the BART going to San Francisco. And it was like this fascinating thing to people. And I thought, man, you know what? People are going to want to own these things. They're going to want to have them in their personal possession, not just ride sharing. And so, you know, one thing led to another. Um, I become very obsessed when I dive into something. So one month later, I was visiting every scooter factory in China. Um, it's a long story, but uh, I, I was really disappointed with what I saw. All the companies that were making scooters were companies that used to make hoverboards for kids, mm. the ones that would light on fire and burn people's yeah. houses down. And that's kind of how they treated the category. They were treated like toys for children Nothing that was elevated, that was high design, that was built for an adult that wanted something refined of, of high quality. And so, you know, I felt like there was an opportunity and, and you know, Unagi was born. When, when we started the company, it was a first sale product. And uh, I come from a subscription background having built what ultimately became Apple Music uh, through through acquisitions. So, you know, wanted to test this new category of hardware as a service, not software as a service, right? We all know subscription movies and subscription music, and we even know hardware coupled to software like Peloton, where the subscription uh, is a service, but no one had done hardware as a service, right? There's been leasing, but leasing has a finite start and stop. There's a contract, hmm. right? With a commitment and a true up at the end, you know, this concept of a pure no commitment monthly subscription like Netflix for transportation had not been put into the market. And we tested it. We saw amazingly high conversion rates. And, uh, and then we just went whole hog and decided it was a better business. So that's kind of how we wound up where we're at. Yeah. And so 2020 is a big inflection point. It's the launch of the subscription program. Unagi is really the only company in the world doing anything like this in the subscription service. And there's also, like we mentioned in our Voyager review, Unagi is by some definitions the most reviewed and most press received of, of any scooter company. And so people can read about the subscription service. One thing I wanted to do is take a step back and hear about something I never even got to hear, even though I worked at Unagi late 2020 and in 2021. I never got to hear about this like early days and like how did Billie Eilish and like all of these other celebrities end up on scooters and just how that began? You know, I mean, I'd, I'd be lying to say that we, we did anything. I mean, we, we saw Billie Eilish like tagged us. She was riding the scooter and, uh, you know, and so, I reached out to management afterwards and was like, we're, we're so flattered. Like, can we get her more 
what does she need? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but she just was, you know, a, an organic fangirl. Um, and she's still like someone, uh, a, a Billie Eilish fanatic, my friend's daughter, who like watches all the live streams, tells me she rides an Unagi out. Her, she rides her Unagi to get out on stage when she performs on her, on her newest tour. So I thought that was kind of awesome. Um, you know, and then I think it was just word of mouth. Like, um, we would see artists writing them and, you know, we would reach out and see how we can support that. Sometimes we've had, we've built relationships and then said, um, you know, who else do you know in your universe you would like to have an Unagi? And this idea came from um, my relationship with music producer Rick Rubin. Mm. He he had a very big relationship with Sonos back in the day where they knew Rick loved Sonos and like changed his life. He was a huge fanatic. And they basically let Rick give a Sonos to anybody he wanted in <laughs> L.A. And so he just gave them to like all his friends who happened to be big musicians. And he really helped build a culture around it with the right people in LA. Uh, and it was very natural and and evangelical and came from a good place. It wasn't like paid sponsorships and stuff like that. And so we've gone to certain people um, and said the same thing. And we're like, hey, if there's anyone in your universe that you wanna have an Unagi, we'll send them one. Um, you know, and a lot of times we get names and then i go on instagram and i'm like oh geez this person's like huge <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah you know i think i think it was just uh, a product that resonated with musicians because they're kind of young at heart and and want to have uh, something like a new nagi in their life Nice. That's such a surprise because you know, in this day and age, you just assume that every product has been placed. But in this case, it was you know it's the other way yeah. around. They started writing it first, so that's that's yeah. a surprise. The to only me. the only one we ever had a, like a formal relationship was Iggy Pop, mm -hmm. who you know we had in our own ad brand campaign, and mm -hmm. you know that wasn't a freebie. There was a there was a financial yeah. relationship involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 and so. Um, the Unagi Voyager. Let's talk about that. That's that's fresh. Um, TJ, could you tell us about just what this how how you even brought about this product launch and yeah, just the project. Sure. So um, yeah, David started the company with what we're now calling the Model One Classic. It wasn't always called the Model One Classic, but he released it as the Model One. Um, and so we had an existing partner uh, manufacturing the scooters for us. And, you know, we've seen all of the reviews. He said it's a very reviewed vehicle, the Model 1 Classic. So there were some known improvements that we had to make. So really what we did with the Voyager is just said, like, let's aggregate all of those improvements that we know have to happen. Uh, and it was largely around, like, putting a bigger battery in it to getting much better range. And then a large collection of very small kind of imperceptible things on their own, but in aggregate make it, I think, just like a much better vehicle. Um, 
that's now kind of app connected was really like the other big feature that people were kind of looking for as well. So the Voyager is really, I would call it kind of like the same underlying platform, but just a massive improvement called the Modern One Classic. Um, and so I don't know if you want to get into specifics, but effectively that was the origin. It was just like, let's do a big step function improvement here on the same platform um, and get something out kind of for the current season. Yeah. And we don't and, need to talk and, about the model. Oh, I'll, oh I'll no, I was just going to say it's so, amazing. It's amazing. The, um, uh, the, 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 the improvement in range that you're able to make in the same platform and, and basically, you know, more or less the same weight and, uh, you know, around a 50% improvement in range was, was, was a pretty big deal. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we I'm using say, this new like, technology yeah, called cold fusion. Have you heard <laughs> of that? <laughs> um, I mean, I think Dave and I are both very much aligned on this concept of like just weight and portability is kind of paramount for everything we do. And so we know we wanted to get more range, but at the same time, like, breaking the 30 pound threshold was not an option we were willing to consider. So, I mean, we really like nipped and tucked at the corners to try to get weight out in other places to compensate for the added battery weight. And for less than one pound um, addition, we're now getting, depending on a variety of factors, anywhere between like 50 and even 90% range improvement. Again, based upon rider weight, riding style, many other things. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that that's for not adding weight, yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's pretty impressive. Chase and Paul, we know a lot of the um, fanboy, fangirl enthusiasts of your site enjoy these like very large, heavy scooters. Um, that you know, I think is great for um, suburbanites who maybe have a garage and don't have to yeah. like lift and move the scooter. Um, but you know, we cater to the everyday person who lives in a city and wants the scooter to be multimodal. They want to be able to take it on a subway, throw it in, uh, the trunk of an Uber, throw it in the back of their car, carry it up a one to two story walk up of their apartment. This category of scooters that, you know, that's out there, um, that are bigger and heavier. We're just like, that's, that's not our DNA. We really, um, I mean, personally, like, I don't know if I lived in a city, if I lived in the suburbs, like I'd rather have an e-bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, you know, e-bikes in the city or, 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 or heavy scooters are really tough because if you lock mm -hmm. them outside, um, you know, they're going to get stolen <laughs> relatively quickly. So. We're just super focused on the urban. And yep. another big use case um, that I know David, David's on mute for the dog, is is like all those things he said, it's also bring it into work, charge it at work. Like that's a big one for kind mm -hmm. of the urban commuter use case. Um, and like as we see our demographics of the people subscribing, like that is a lot of them for sure. And a bigger vehicle that's heavier it's probably not in allowed inside your workplace. Number one, forces you to lock it outside. Now you're worried about vandalism or theft or decay. So it's nice. And like we, you know, these things you absolutely fold up with one hand, carry it inside to your workplace, put it under your desk and charge it while you're working and then bring it with you. Um, 
or even like to a cafe or a bar or a restaurant. Like, yeah, pe- people bring these inside with them. It's not really intended to, and nor is it generally used uh, outside and locked up outside. Yeah, as, absolutely. As, as somebody who, you know who rides and, and, and tests everything, I really have to say, after respect you guys holding the line on on you know lightness and and portability, um, because you know the yeah, top speed and power you know, seem to grab all the headlines. But um, every time you know, I'm, you know, I'm doing a short run or, you know, I'll do a lot of last mile. Sometimes I park a mile away from from work and uh, and I'll just you know, I'll grab an Unagi for that. And when it's time to, to fold the neck down, pick it up and throw it in the trunk. I'm just I always appreciate so much how just how fast that is and just and just how easily it fits in the trunk. And like you're saying, it is definitely you can't sneak a scooter into everywhere like you know if you go into a dentist's office like there's no way i'm bringing some big clunky scooter with bolts hanging off of it everywhere but nobody looks at me funny at all whenever you know i feel perfectly comfortable you know bringing an unagi into i know a professional I mean, setting this was like you know my brain fart from the very beginning <laughs> when i bought that scooter off of alibaba and i i was like i want the lightest thing that i can take everywhere and yeah it's like nobody ever gives you a hard time when you walk into a cafe and you put it down next to you i've gone to movie theaters and put it down next to me mm-hmm. i've gone everywhere and it's like it's a delight to kind of have that i feel like um you know that that marvel character the silver surfer who has his magic uh, little hoverboard you know this is like gen one 1.0 real world world version of, of being the silver surfer. It's like the scooter that gets you past but, the velvet rope. I, in fact, I, I, we were trying to figure out how mm-hmm. to use this theme earlier. One time it was like, you have other scooters coming up and getting denied. And then all of a sudden the velvet rope opens when the Unagi shows up and it's, and it's, it's true. Cause you just feel like you could take it anywhere. But I think it's also important to like, not compromise like i would say the ratio of like weight and portability to performance i have to say i think unagi like is the best like there's not even anyone close to it because even though it's small and portable and you can bring it in these places like anyone that rides it especially in the dual motor mode or going up a hill like everyone is universally surprised kind of by the pep of the scooter relative to the size and that was another thing we wanted the best of both worlds we have our limits of course but like, let's get more range out of it. It's still got to be super peppy, um, but light and portable. Yeah, we, we've had to make some real sacrifices. You know, it's not the cushiest, cushiest ride. The, the cushy ride comes with advanced suspensions that add a lot of weight. And, uh, you know, um, our tires are puncture proof, right? And um, that doesn't give the same ride comfort as an air pneumatic. But, you know... Anecdotally, we just know that when consumers puncture a tire on another scooter that isn't uh, puncture-proof like ours, it's almost impossible to service. Like a lot of these companies don't have quality service centers in the United States. You can't send them back. They're not going to put a new tire on. If you take your scooter to a bike shop, they are not going to service that product for you. And so, you know, I've gone on Reddit and seen hundreds of posts of people trying to fix their tires on Mm -hmm. these electric scooters, having to put the tire in a microwave oven to soften the rubber, 
to try to get it back on the wheel. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's a nightmare. And so, you know, we make some sacrifices for something that we think works best for urban commuting. Um, you know, we wish it was a more comfy ride as these, you know, 45 to 60 pound scooters. But, you know, those trade-offs just aren't worth it right now or the serviceability issues. Yeah. And also, you know, having launched in 2020, we're approaching three years. So for this is so novel, it's really hard to it's hard in some sense to get people to do it. But at the other side of things, you know, Unagi has announced that the ratio is 20 to one of subscriptions to purchases. And so with your longest subscribers and happiest customers, what have you learned about those types of people now with all of this time that this, the fleet's been going? You want to answer that, TJ? Sure. Yeah, I think it's that they value. I mean, we internally, I think, have called it like urban utility. But the way they're living their lives, this is our average customer, our average subscriber. Yeah, they really value that urban utility, which is like light, portable, but fun and powerful, looks great, pride of ownership. Um, And like the tires are a good example, like set it and forget it. You don't need to worry about service, nothing like that. Just very convenient for the typical kind of urban first and last dialer that needs multimodal solution or just, you know, getting to and from work up to three, four, five miles. Um, It just seems to be, and maybe way back when, when David started the company, not all of this was intentional, but regardless of whether or not it was intentional, this has ultimately just coincidentally, maybe a little planning, maybe a little luck. It's like, it checks all the boxes that we want for like our core subscriber base. Um, and that is just frankly, just coming from direct feedback from them. We have a very tight feedback loop with them and, you know, they value the same types of things that are on our product. Right now. And, you know, yeah. when I'll, I'll just add to that and say, um, you know, being on an electric scooter, any electric scooter requires a certain amount of adventure like in in the human, they have to have a a certain amount of comfort getting on one of these. It's not for everybody. Not everybody feels comfortable on a stand-up scooter, but if you you are, um, it's a huge luxury inside of a city, uh, especially on an Unagi. There's nothing I love more than when I'm in New York City, which is our biggest market. I mean, I feel superhuman. I've gone over three bridges in one day. You know, I've tackled multiple boroughs. Um, you know, the subscription works out to a dollar ninety a day for all day riding. You know, one subway ride is three dollars. You know, and it's very limiting. You can't go cross town. You can't get from point A to point B. Um, and so, having one of these in a city, it's just it's it's game changing as far as empowerment and freedom for someone. Um, and I think I think our subscribers appreciate that. It's interesting. A lot of people who un, you know, when people unsubscribe, it usually happens within the first 30, 60 days. It's not for them for some reason. Um, either um, the commute was too long for them, and maybe our classic didn't have enough range, which we've now solved, we believe, with the Voyager, or maybe they just didn't feel safe on an electric scooter and it just wasn't for them. But like once you get past those first 30 days of unsubscribes, then people are super sticky. Like everyone else just mm. loves the thing, which is the vast majority. 
And the, the, one of the great things you've done for those people, the people who figured out it wasn't for them, they didn't have to spend, you know, $1,000 to find that out. And I, that's one of the things I love about yeah. your subscription program yeah. is it gives people that lower barrier yeah. to entry. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, we review all the different brands and, and ride so many different things. One thing I was going to point out about what's unique about Unagi that's particularly interesting to me is if you look at more Eastern centric companies, um, they tend to struggle more with the software and the product, you know, that together and the experience and everything. And then you take that and combine it with the subscription business model, things start to get really interesting. And we're seeing that with the Voyager now being able to connect to a phone and stuff. So could you tell us more about, you know, what does the app do today? What, what is, you know, the, the software um, aspiration and roadmap for that? Sure. Yeah. So the, the app right now, I would say, has all, first of all, the most basic functions are the basic command and controls that you can do in a tactile fashion with the handlebars on the scooter that people are very well acquainted with. But a lot of times, um, you know, you need to read the user manual to understand that or be familiar with the product. The app is just a much more accessible way to interacting with the scooter. Like that's number one in its most basic function. Another thing it really does is from a security point of view, you can now lock the scooter with your phone, electronically lock the scooter such that it's it's nothing more than a paperweight to someone if they happen to steal the scooter. And now your phone is the only key that can lock and unlock the scooter. It's a really nice feature a lot of people have asked for. Another one, we see this in electric cars a lot and even in internal combustion engine cars, but like this distance to empty feature where it's like analyzing a lot of inputs and saying, we think based upon these inputs that you have this much range left instead of just kind of like a battery indicator that has five or 10 segments on it, like we've all seen on a lot of things. So the nice thing is if you're riding somewhere and you feel like, mm, I know I need to go X miles, but it's only showing that I have less, you can adjust your mode or adjust certain riding behaviors and get to where you need to go. We've got a lot of positive feedback on that. Um, and the beauty is all this kind of resources that we're putting into all these app features, both current and future roadmap, will all be eventually backwards compatible, even to the classic. So our older riders, our older subscribers mm. on the old vehicle, as they come through our service center for refurbishment, we will be adding in very short order, basically the Voyager handlebar. So they will now be able to connect by Bluetooth to your phone to the same Unagi app. So the entire fleet will be connected if you choose to interact with the scooter that way. But if you don't, you can still remain a more analog or tactile type customer. The scooter will work exactly the same as it always has otherwise. Um, but, but moving things towards the app and towards the phone and the interaction with the phone just opens up so many possibilities on future kind of app roadmap features. And we're now utilizing your phone, which is this super powerful little CPU on board, to really do a bunch of cool stuff like future software dev roadmap. And it, I, I yeah, love the, the range the remaining. Oh, you go. Oh, I love the range remaining feature. We've, uh, you know, I've tested a, a ton of apps and by far this is, uh, the Unagi range remaining feature is the most advanced for sure because you can enter the rider weight and even what kind of, uh, whether you're riding in hilly conditions or not. So it really goes to the next level in terms of trying to yeah. tell you exactly how much range you've got. I mean, I've seen similar concepts on other types of vehicles, and they, the 
the algorithm that they use to spit the number back at you like seems pretty primitive and static and there's not a lot of kind of like dynamic considerations and yeah we've done a lot of ride testing with a lot of different riders who weigh different amounts on different average grade courses so we've like put in a very dynamic kind of lookup table and as you change your ride mode and as you enter your weight no need to lie about your weight. Don't worry. We're not recording it or anything, right? And as you change your hill climbing profile, we are dynamically calculating that and spitting back a number that we feel like is very accurate. And over time, the more riders that are connected and volunteer to share that information with us, that like algorithm keeps getting tuned and tuned and tuned and more precise. Uh, really cool feature. We've gotten a lot of good feedback it, on that. It's a big deal because range anxiety is real like oh, yeah. you know there's nothing worse than the thought of running out in the middle of nowhere having to walk home the rest of the way or wherever you're going or missing an appointment or um and so yeah it was it was a brilliant idea on on tj's part to get the rider weight in and build this table. No one's done anything like it. Um, I'm super proud of it. The next thing I'd love to see is that display um, on the scooter itself, not just on the um, on the software. Um, yeah, working on and it. We're getting there, yeah. we're getting there. Um, you know, to me, seeing that is more important than seeing your speed. Right. Like, how important is it that I'm riding and I stare at, am I going 13 miles an hour? Am I going 16 mm -hmm. miles an hour? Like, kind of doesn't matter. But seeing, like, how much, how many miles I have left is, like, the most important thing. Um, and as you guys all know, and I know, Paul, you're on, like, every scooter under the sun. These battery indicators, you know, they're, like, they go up, they go down, you're in the red. Then, in, yep. you know, oh, yeah. and it's like, it's a guessing game. You know, it's a total guessing game. You're For one sure. of the few guys that actually like rides them to empty and helps someone understand what a real world scenario might actually be. Without your data, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what they do. Yeah, and, you know, and something I, did, I didn't get to cover in the review is also your end of battery experience on the Unagi is better than everybody else's. I can I can say that this unequivocally um, the the notice you get, it, you know, it's a series of beeps and then the, the gauge is kind of counting down. It's like nothing else. I mean, every time I, I range test an Unagi, I end up making notes on that. And I don't know if it ever makes it in the review, but it is a, it is a very good experience. And it, it really lets you know the end is coming. Right. Yeah, we have a series of escalations, like very deliberate, I would yeah. say, with both the LED color on the segments mm -hmm. on the display, and then there's audio indicators that kind of match that. Yeah, like, I think it does go appreciated. It, it just helps you ride plan better, for sure. It's like having a really good hospice nurse. We're, we, we, we <laughs> ease you to your death kindly and gently. Yeah. What, one thing on the... Um, kind of related to range, but also related to this, is like, I couldn't say this for the classic, but I can for the Voyager. I think this audience of Paul and Chase knows the space probably better than anyone. We all know what I would say the nominal one-way ride is for an electric scooter, right? What that distance is. And let's say you're a commuter, so you need to cover twice that distance in between charges. 
I can say this with certainty with the Voyager. I would say for 99% of all nominal two-way rides, the Voyager is something you can do. Even for a heavy rider on hills, you can do a round trip to work and only mm-hmm. charge it at home, right? That wasn't always the case with the Classic, maybe for lighter riders or shorter commutes. But yeah, it was like we wanted to, we had to make that work, that round trip work. Uh, while not adding too much weight. And so we intentionally, we could have made the battery bigger, of course, but like we didn't want to go too high. So we made it just big enough that like almost in every single scenario, someone can just do a round trip to wherever they're going and not have to worry about range anxiety or having a charger with them. Yeah, and David was bringing up the New York trips. And one thing that hasn't been mentioned yet is not only is the range higher, the charge time is significantly better, especially from zero to 80. And so when you're commuting and you're trip chaining and going from you multiple stops in New York or something, being able to plug it in and take it inside without turning too many heads, you know, um, that that's interesting. Yeah. Going to a bigger charger is like very subtle change and no one really sees or appreciates until they actually start using the thing and need to charge it. And the zero to 80% is that's really the one everyone should look at, you know, as far as kind of charge time. And it's, it's half the time of the classic on a bigger battery. So it's just like, much better you you know you have to carry around a slightly bigger brick to deal with that but it's completely worth it yeah and so also there was the news last year of the the google partnership and we heard about that i think back in like september i mean free subscriptions for every single google employee which is quite a few and all around the nation right like um you know for people who are listening is that something that you're seen other companies take up and you, you'd expect because, you know, the audience of this podcast might be a little bit more um, working and stuff like that. You know, um, amazingly, there are a lot of companies around the United States that have commuter benefit plans hmm. where um, they will reimburse for electric mobility and for commute. And the Unagi falls within their commuter benefit programs. Um, Lots of companies. And so for anyone listening to this podcast, talk to your HR department. Find out what your commuter benefits are. Sometimes it's full reimbursement. Sometimes it's before tax dollars, you know, pre-tax dollars. So So many people don't realize how they could already be getting a free Unagi with their existing commuter benefits or massively subsidized. So the $60 a month, which is already a smoking deal could be half or free. So it sounds like go a, talk it to your like HR great, department. This sounds like a you great know, YouTube video. In fact, it's almost clickbaity. you know, you, you, Hey man, you know, you get I used free to Unagi from, your, from your company. Remember I want my MTV. Yeah. That, that started because, uh, a cable company turned off MTV and all, all the consumers in that geo region like demanded to have it back. So, you know, go, go demand your Unagi from your HR department. They should cover it. <laughs> yeah. And just, just announced last week at Mercedes, right. Doing some deal with Unagi. Could you tell us about that? Yeah. You know, they are, they are bundling, uh, uh, Unagi, subscriptions with their flagship electric vehicle. So uh, you buy a Mercedes electric car and it comes with a one year Unagi subscription for free. 
which is pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Will, will the car charge the scooter? I wish. <laughs> it should. Um, you know. It, we do not have a USB-C input right now. Uh, we mm -hmm. just have, unless unless they have 110 in the car. They do not in those Mercedes. But many cars now okay. do just have basically a charger. I know my car does, so I can charge my scooter in my car, which I do quite frequently. Yeah. Uh, future roadmap vehicle will absolutely have that, though, a secondary way to charge and discharge. The, 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 the value sorry, the value proposition of this most people don't get. Having an Unagi in a car is fucking incredible because <laughs> whereas you used to drive into a city and have to like circle around looking for a parking spot. Mm. When I drive into San Francisco, I just take the first parking spot I see <laughs> and then I scoot the rest of the way. Those dense downtown urban areas or wherever where parking is uh, challenging, you just park a half a mile or a mile further away and you scoot the rest of the way and then you're avoiding the super expensive parking fees in the lots. Um, and so, yeah, I, if I'm going in the city, um, I always take my Unagis and uh, I don't sweat the, the parking anymore. And the thing that might surprise people is you, you'll actually end up getting where you're going faster a lot of the times because once you're into that dense part of the city, you're gonna move oh, faster yeah. on a scooter than you oh, did yeah. in a car. And those are the dirtiest miles for a car, those last few miles where you're just oh, you know, putting hmm. through traffic. And also, you know, as a Tesla owner, um, I really love jumping on my Unagi when I'm at the supercharger station and I'm, mm. I'm trapped there for 30 to 60 <sighs> minutes charging. I just go cruise yeah. around, find a restaurant. <laughs> nice. Hmm. Yeah. Man, you should get a collab with Tesla. That'd be great. Oh, you think? Maybe, you know, for, for the, the charge breaks. Elon Musk, if you're listening. So anyway, you know, with the Voyager launch, what are the things that you are both looking forward to and anything that you can share about the, the future of Unagi? Maybe start with TJ. <laughs> um. Well, from a like a roadmap point of view, I would just say like philosophically, the concept of, you know, really doubling down on kind of app feature development mm -hmm. that will be backwards compatible with all existing vehicles and will be kind of more fully integrated into future vehicles. Like that's one theme for sure. Um, as a business model, we're absolutely committed to subscription, obviously. I mean, we made that pivot a while ago now, so that will inform a lot of our both hardware and software product decisions as well. Um, you know, the Voyager is one step in the way. You know, we have a lot of a lot of plans going forward. You know, for future vehicles, but they will all check these certain boxes. Where I would say, yeah, it's going to be a subscription-heavy um, deliberation and decisions will be all around the subscription business model, both on the hardware and kind of the software and app development side. Great. Well, and I think from just from other things that that enables, um, you know, we talked about like working with individuals who value this concept of like the urban utility of the vehicles, but it is the perfect vehicle also for partnerships, just like Google. Like, you know, there's a lot of like corporate and enterprise partnerships where it's just a layup, like <laughs> it's perfect for a very light investment on these 
partners, either through third-party benefit providers or directly with us, we can turn on this program like in a day for any big corporate partner if they want to incentivize people to come back to the office, which is kind of like what's happening right now. Um, or, you know, a lot of our partners that we talk to say, like, we actually do not have enough parking spots physically at this, you know, particular office location. And mm. so it's just a huge benefit for them. They do the cost benefit. And like, uh, if we could subsidize this for 50 bucks a month, yeah, we'd rather have people riding in on, on their Unagis. Um, or these partners, Google's like one, but there's many others that have these transportation that they offer to their employees. So the fact that these Unagis are multimodal and you can put them on the bottom of like a bus or a train just so I think over time, you know, we have more and more growing partnerships that will continue on like enterprise or city governments or all these kind of inbound channels that we feel like we kind of have the ideal vehicle to partner with. You know, yeah. And, and you know, what what are our goals? It's like, why are people still driving cars in cities um, is, you know, beyond me. Uh, there's so much education left we've tapped so little of the market of uh the potential for micromobility we're like i still think we're in not in the first inning um so um you know we're still only in the united states i mean goals for the voyager and subscription is to move outside the united states and try to tackle europe and asia at some point in the near future. Uh, obviously, micromobility is just as big, if not bigger, in Europe as it is in the United States. So that is kind of um, in our crosshairs. And, you know, when I started building subscription music services, people couldn't fathom the concept of subscribing to music. It was so hard for us for years to educate the populace that you would pay a monthly fee and not own it. And nobody thinks about that anymore. But for years, it was like an impossible sell. <laughs> like nobody <laughs> got it. And so I think we're in that kind of same phase. Um, we think having a subscription to an Inagi is far superior to owning one. It's a maintenance-free experience. You never have to worry. If anything goes wrong with your scooter, we don't even make you wait to send it back and us to fix it and send it back. We just send you another one right away. Mm. Um, we yeah. want people to have as little downtime as possible. And, um, and you know, we have theft insurance. Like, you don't have to worry about theft. It's like we've taken all of, you know, the downsides of micromobility off the table so that you can just get the utility factor. And, like, so much of our... Um, success to date is word of mouth. When we look at post-subscription attribution surveys, we know word of mouth is number one. But like, man, you know, how do we get the word out? How do more people get informed uh, about micromobility and about subscription? Yeah, word of mouth is a lot more people with Unagis, especially after last year, the you know, pushing the subscription to the whole nation and yeah, we're that, really so counting really on, on, on Electric Scooter Guide to become, you know, <laughs> number one uh, transportation publication on the Internet. We're getting there. We're, we're coming for, you know, all of micro EVs, not just electric scooters now with being 
writer guide. So anyway, I've got one final question. Paul might have another one. Mm-hmm. So colors, you know, most scooters just come in black, right? <laughs> and so um, how did you choose the the four colors for launch for the Voyager? And they're, they're different from the original too. Well, you want to answer that, TJ? Yeah, I mean, I will just say, you know, the, the original class and color choices kind of predate me. Uh, when I look at them, I mean, David, like to me, it's very kind of Tesla type color scheme, but automotive grade, like very cool looking like this feels like more consumer electronics and not necessarily a boring black or gray scooter that, you know, we see every other one. Um, and then when it came time for the Voyager, like we definitely wanted new colorways for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and we just did a really like thoughtful kind of like ID kind of like debate, uh, a lot of stakeholders and we brought in some outside kind of help and just went through a whole process and arrived at kind of a something for everyone. I mean, yeah, I think we, we're we, so we, trained. We, we were obsessed. Like I had, I don't know, 10 shades of, of that, of our, of our matte cobalt blue that I stared at for a month in my house and under different lighting scenarios, asked everyone to look at them and tell me which one they thought was best. Like, you know, we put a lot of- I've got like 200 200 paint samples that I'm looking at right now in my little closet. (laughs) And and the work that TJ does to get the the paint to match on the various parts is staggering. Mm. Like, you know, we've got aluminum and carbon fiber and getting the paint to look the same on both is an insane amount of work for TJ and his team. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, in some cases, we're color matching uh, magnesium, basically carbon fiber, aluminum, silicone, plastic. I mean, yeah, mm. five or six substrates trying to match mm. a color. Uh, so just choosing the colors, number one, that's hard enough. And then to execute on the choices. Uh, but kind of something for everyone, like the black in the bike industry. We, we are so trained to like buy a black or gray bike. It's like always a number one seller in every bike model. It's kind of this boring history, but so you kind of have to have that. But I think we have a matte black. It's kind of cool looking. Um, and then the other ones, like on the other end of the spectrum, we have it. I call it like the handbag scooter. It's kind of a cream scooter with like brown trim and almost looks like one of those fancy handbags. You know, you see people carrying around and then a couple other colorways in between. So a lot of a lot of work goes into that. I know it seems kind of like a minor thing, like oh great, you have four colors, but yeah, do you, do a lot guys, of work went into that nuance. Do you guys have a favorite color, Paul or Chase? Is there a color that you're partial to? If I feel you like we've been leaning towards latte latte lately because yeah. it's just like the most. It's the coolest because you never see a um, sort of a caramel colored you know deck right. on a scooter, and it's just that combination right. is pretty cool. I mean, there was certainly inspiration from. You know the mods and the and the Italian scooters of the mod generation that informed mm-hmm. those color choices. We thought mm-hmm. it was you know retro chic. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. latte is so unique. It's um, and yet it knocks it out of the park. You know, it's like the the color way you never expected, but then you really love. I was gonna maybe say the green like that to me when I saw that. I was like that was a very carefully selected. 
uh, shade of green. So anyway, um, thank you so much for coming on this podcast and talking with us. It's great to hear from you both. And actually, I just wanted to congratulate TJ for being the chief product officer now. Um, I'm Exunagi. Yeah, excellent job to TJ. Um, I, I was, you know, October 2020, and I joined at a similar, roughly similar time that TJ did. And yeah, I think so. TJ is excellent, by the way. Throughout working at Unagi, he's just a total stud, and we actually continue to nerd out. Paul will have these super nerdy discussions with <laughs> TJ about physics and tire chemistry and all of that. So, and and he's putting in all the effort to every small detail of design and software and experience. So, you know, if you're joining the subscription, you know you're you're getting the experience, and you're getting that that smoothness and. Um, it's only going to get better from what we can tell and what we see in the future. So uh, congratulations on launching the Voyager and thanks for coming on. Thanks guys. All right. Thank you both. Take care. All right. Thanks you guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed that conversation. Just a quick reminder before you go, listeners to this podcast get access to this special offer from Unagi, a first month free off your Unagi subscription. So if you want that, click the link in the description. It supports this podcast too. And yeah, maybe leave a review if you're feeling extra generous. And we will see you next week.